0: Show is brought to you by Johnston Group, Vittorio Rossi, Trans Canada Brewing, Lou Ferlin,
1: Cambrian Credit Union, and Homefield. Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet. About to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie Post Game Show after i'll get to the game but first i just wanted to point out uh, how sweet that little uh show opener is that we have now uh, one of our sponsors homefield you you all know them you all love them uh, if you are interested in what homefield can do for you as far as it comes to branding and just uh making yourself pop uh that's a great example of it right there thank you to our friends from homefield for that uh yeah uh, kenny and Rennie, post game show after a game that i would suggest I don't know that there's not a lot to not like about that game. I mean, you, you cannot like the bounce that led to the you know 2-1 goal for the Seattle crack, and you cannot like that. But other than that, I take a look at this. I love the Jets' start. I thought it was important to see the Jets start the way that they started this game, uh, just dominant throughout the first 10 minutes of the first period. Flips in the other direction as the Seattle crack can find a way to kind of relieve the pressure that the Jets were able to put in that neutral zone. And they kind of take the second half of that period. Jets come out. I thought they were the clearly the better team for the vast majority of the second period. Um, and yet somehow they come out of that down two one. We all know the hockey gods played Uh, a role in that and one of the you know most dramatic uh bounces that I've ever seen I mean off the middle skate almost right across the rink then off of another jet and into the back of the net uh that's a tricky one uh and kind of what they needed to do to beat a goaltender like David Riddick on this night we'll get talking about David Riddick in a little bit because he has elbowed his way into the conversation as being one of the Jets difference makers this year so far so we got to get in and talk about that but Third period, the Jets come out. Uh, I've talked about this before in situations like that. The Jets are a team that clearly opens up their risk profile. Uh, I've talked about it in games past. um, Saw it against Philadelphia. Saw it earlier in the year against the Detroit Red Wings. If you put yourself in a bit of a hole, a lot of times to get out of it, you got to take risks, and those risks come back to bite you. We've seen that. Uh, with the Jets so far. And I did think the first part of that third period was kind of a bit of a back and forth and that the Seattle Kraken were handling it well, but the Jets go out and they get their own bounce. The hockey gods turned around and smiled upon the Jets, just the way that they had smiled upon the Seattle Kraken earlier in that game. Uh, And then, so you're talking about a team that faces resilience uh, throughout that game is able to push their way, elbow their way back into that game. Um, I think with the vast majority of the game, if you're taking a look at the two teams and what they generated, the Jets were the better team in this game. So them getting the extra point is definitely uh, this was this was, you know, what should have happened in this game here tonight. Um, I think the Jets. Scoring chances, you know, not only did they outshoot Seattle, which is good to see because you know what, you know how I feel about these games where it seems incessantly the Jets are getting outshot and outchanced, but somehow find a way to win. Well, I like tonight that they found a way to win against a really good team by being the better team outright. I mean, that's what I want to see more of. If I'm a Winnipeg Jets fan, if I'm the Winnipeg Jets coaches, if I'm the players themselves, is coming into a game like this against a team that is clearly very evenly matched with the Winnipeg Jets. I want to see the Jets earn themselves a win, not escape with points, not, you know, hide behind a goaltender that's that's winning them the game and getting them the two points. This was the right way to do it against a team that I think you got to take a look at and realize that the Seattle Kraken and the Winnipeg Jets are a pretty even team. Uh two pretty even teams if I'm not mistaken. I think now uh, each team took four points away from the season series, them playing three times the jets. Yes, they win two games, but both the games that they win, they win an extra time. If I'm not mistaken, the Seattle Kraken won outright against the Winnipeg jets. Last time I thought in the second game, the Seattle Kraken were the best team in that game. I thought the first game of the year. And if you remember this, you should, because I think it was one of the more important moments in the jet season, but the Seattle Kraken were the better team the first time these two teams played, How and they had the game done and sewn up two points over and done with, except Pierre-Luc Dubois drew that late penalty that uh, that uh, gave the Jets 24 seconds or something like that to operate on the penalty and send it into overtime and ended up winning in overtime. I thought it was important for the Winnipeg Jets to come out here tonight and show that, yes, in a, in a battle against this team, they could win the game because they were the better team, not because they pulled a rabbit out of a hat, not because, you know, they got some, you know, you know went out and capitalized on a couple of opportunities. This is a really good five-on-five team, the Seattle team. It was important that the Jets show that they could hang with them five-on-five. It was important to show the Seattle Kraken that they could beat them straight up and that they could be the better team on this night. I think it bodes well going into the playoffs. And this is one of the things that we have to take into account here. We keep talking about, you know, and maybe we'll get into a little bit of the trade talk and all those different kind of things, uh, the trade deadline. But one of the things that's happening in the West right now is the West is wide open. No one is grabbing the brass ring. After tonight, the Jets now have, they took two points. The Dallas Stars lost in overtime. So the Jets have one game in hand and are two points behind the Dallas Stars for first place in the Western Conference. But there's really not a team that is standing out as the benchmark. The Jets are as close as anyone. But if the Jets didn't get that lucky bounce in the third period, Seattle wins that game, and they're right there with the Seattle Kraken. Like, that's how tight things are. The benchmark is not being laid definitively by a specific team. And so because of that, I think you kind of have to approach these playoffs, the mindset that you have to as the Winnipeg Jets and the Winnipeg Jets players is you never know who you're going to be running into in this playoff run. It could very well be the Seattle Kraken that come out of the Pacific. And I like the idea that the Winnipeg Jets, after, yes, getting two points earlier and getting a victory on this team, but one that they pulled the rabbit out of the hat and then losing the next one. I think it was important to show the Seattle Kraken that we can beat you. We can be the better team on a night. We can hang with you five on five. I think there were a bunch of boxes the Jets needed to tick tonight, and I think they ticked all of them. So on a night where they win in in, uh, in a shootout, and I think if you would have said this last year, based on what the Seattle Kraken were last year, you know someone said at the beginning of the year, oh, the Jets pulled out a shootout victory against the Seattle Kraken. Maybe people wouldn't be too impressed with it. This is a win that gives me faith. If I'm a Winnipeg Jets fan third straight victory, but you go back and you take a look at what they did against St. Louis, how close they were to losing that game and just continuing a really tough streak here. Uh, This was the first game they've had in their last three wins where they beat a legitimate true contender and they did it straight up. They didn't do it by getting out, out chanced outshot all those kind of things. This was a true to form Winnipeg Jets win against a true-to-form playoff team. Well done on all accounts. That's my take on it. Uh, Not sure what yours is. I'm sure you'll let me know in the comments, but uh, I want to get the main man's take on this. I haven't heard from him for a while, uh, so let's bring him in. Here's my main man, Kenny, and best music in the business. Kenny, my friend, thanks for handling everything off. Last show uh, as the host, I was out, uh, took uh, my wife for thanks. Sorry, not thanks day uh valentine's day lunch and got stopped and someone was talking about you hosting the last show uh so thank you for doing that uh thank you to hammy and scotty for being there for me as i uh i just i just plain gave up on the show i went for holidays and i said you know what here to take care of it i don't want to know how you do it i don't know what it looks like i don't know what you guys are talking about i'm just checking right out so yeah i was able to do that for uh, for you covering me so thanks for that ken the uh, people you were on assignment there you go. Out there, I was on assignment. I'm, I'm a, I'm a spy, and I get my suits as a spy. Because spies gotta look good from Vittorio Rossi, right here in Winnipeg, uh, as you do, Ken. Uh, and if you want to look like a, an on assignment spy down in the Cayman Islands, which is where I found myself, uh, you gotta go and see our boys over at Vittorio Rossi. Frankie and the boys go on, head on down to Corden Avenue. They can make you look. Good, No matter the surroundings, Uh, they're the best, the absolute best in the business, and you're looking fine there tonight, Ken. Uh, I want to see if your takes are as good as you look here, my friend. What would you think of the game? Yeah, I mean, I think
0: for the most part, the the Jets would be pretty happy with their effort. I mean, it was a sound performance. Uh, I would say that they got into a little bit of penalty trouble at times, especially in the first period. It kind of disrupted their flow. I thought they really came out of the gate really strong or strongly. Uh, I mean, yeah. they're shooting their opponent, I think 11-2 or 11-3 at one point. And then they took basically took 6 minutes in minors uh, that goalie interference to Dylan Demello for, you know, running into Philip Grubauer when he went to the net and then the 4-minute double minor, which is more of a tough break. It is the right call, but it was just a tough break by for Morgan Barron. He's battling with Will Borgen to get past him. And his stick, as he tries to go around him or through him, catches Borgen in the face, uh, drew some blood. And, uh, you know, the Jets were kind of not chasing the game, but it, it really kind of disrupted the flow, especially for their skilled players, Sean. I mean, Rick Bonus mentioned this in the post. Uh, you know, a couple of those guys, you know, the guys who don't kill penalties had around three and a half minutes in the first period. That's just not enough to get into the flow for guys like Nikolai Ehlers and, I think, to a degree, Kyle Connor and Cole Perfetti. So. I thought that they did a nice job of rebounding. I mean, obviously, we know there was an important shot block, um, an important shot block by, you know, two of them by Adam Lowry during that oh, one, yeah. you know, during the one stretch. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute with our little bit of foreshadowing. Um, but overall, I mean, David Riddick, very solid. We know he was kind of forced into action. I mean, Rick Bonus didn't want to fully commit this morning, but I think we were pretty sure that. David Riddick was going to get the call tonight when we heard Connor Hellebuck was a little bit under the weather. Um, It's interesting, Sean. I mean, we talked about this going into the break. I mean, I actually thought that Riddick would start the first game out of the break, considering it was a 9 p.m. start, uh, and we knew that Riddick would be getting one of the games this week coming up on the road trip here, probably the game against the Rangers at MSG that you're going to be uh, on site for along with myself. So anyways, that's neither here nor there, but i love the way riddick played he was very you know you, you saw it we saw it i know i think you saw it as well sean riddick came in he was just had this great demeanor this morning remember he came in he won one of those contests that t- uh, players have at the end of morning skates and he basically gave it the old arms in the air uh the old albert commercial uh, for canadian tire i think that might have been way back in the uh, in the in the hot tub albert. time. Yeah, exactly. Albert. It was one of those. In the, in the old
1: hot tub time machine. Uh, you, you never um, could understand. Like it, They kept calling him Albert throughout the commercial, so I'm fairly certain his first name was Albert, <laughs> but the name on the back of his jersey was Albert. It's like, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works
0: hilarious anyway. anyways that's the aside but David Riddick walked right towards Nate Schmidt uh Nate Schmidt not all that impressed but uh, you got the sense that Riddick was just in a in a great mood I mean he's had a great demeanor all year long this year and man oh man nine and four like are you kidding me 14 games now 13 starts nine and four 250 goals against nine ten uh save percentage uh, just double. Sorry, nine eleven save percentage. Um, just like just exceptional for a guy who almost found himself out of the league this year, Sean. And we can't repeat that enough. Um, you know once again, Rick Bonus giving great credit to uh, Wade Flaherty for the job that he's done working with david Riddick uh he's had a great demeanor as I mentioned he's been a great partner for Connor hellebuck. He has that great combination he keeps things light, but he also knows when it's time to get serious right I mean that's the thing about Riddick that has impressed me so much. He knows his role he knew going into the year he wanted to play more than last year, where he only had. You know, 17 games, and I think it was only like 13 or 14 starts with Nashville behind UC Saros. He's just been great for the Jets. Again, 27 saves today. I thought he was very solid when he needed to be. Uh, you know, not spectacular, but you don't have to be spectacular. Just get the job done, and, and that's what he's done uh, on a regular basis. Uh, I thought for the most part the Jets were very good. I mean, they had, you know, could have had a little bit more finish perhaps, but overall, sound effort against a team that is very fast. Like like you said, I mean, Rick Bone has said it you know, multiple times. The Kraken are a legitimate team. They play hard, and they make you work for everything that you get, and the Jets did earn what they got Uh, We'll get into Pierre-Luc Dubois a little bit more as the game moves along, but obviously an important response to, you know, I would say an undisciplined penalty at the end of the period, Uh, but we've talked about this a lot. I don't mind, personally, I know some people are saying, oh, you can't take that penalty. I don't mind that penalty because it shows engagement again. Was the hit late on Vince Dunn? Of of course it was late. But you know what? Pierre-Luc Dubois plays on and then over the line, the fact that he got ticked off by what happened in the corner with Adam Larson I love the fact that he went out and finished that hit because let's face it in this game there were all there was almost no hitting so the fact that you took a penalty okay sure it was undisciplined I get it and I would say the same thing if it was Carson Kuhlman or anybody else taking the penalty I don't mind that penalty one bit because he responded and it kind of got him more engaged in the game um so like I said some people are saying dumb penalty they don't like it you know what this is what happens he draws tons of he draws more than he takes and you know what he came and responded by getting the equalizer and the shootout clincher yes Mark Scheifele had the shootout winner technically because it was two nothing but he scored an important goal he got himself going he had a much better third period and again that that's you know live by the sword die by the sword that's the way it goes you know just ask Carson Soucy Uh, as you mentioned right off the top, uh, on that penalty that got the game to overtime uh, in the first meeting between these two teams. And, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, you know, again, was it a Picasso? No, but I would say the two games for the Jets were very, coming out of the break, important games for different reasons, closer to their template. And I would say that, uh, you know, points well earned. And also good job by Seattle to get the game to overtime. And I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I still would be, I'm still tempted that it's probably going to be either Vegas or Edmonton coming out of the Pacific, but Seattle is a legit contender. It, what we've been talking about all year, the goaltending with Martin Jones and Philip Grubauer has been a little bit uneven, but th- if they get goaltending like they got tonight, They're a legit team. I mean, Burakovsky was injured, not available. That's a humongous piece out of their lineup. But these guys have four lines at play. They play hard. They've got big defense. They make life difficult on their opponent, and they're mobile. So, I I, they'll be a tough out for a lot of teams um, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And you know, the Jets are also legitimate, which you know is something that Rick Bonus uh, was more than happy to say. On a lot of occasions this week as well. So, anyways, that's a long trip to the buffet, Uh, a fun game. That's what you're here for. A fun game to cover and a lot to really dig into and dive into uh, as we move along here.
1: I'm just going to talk about this quick before we get into the lamplighter because people are already getting there pretty quickly. Um, Sure just the idea of what you're talking about uh, Seattle, like the tricky part about this too is is never mind the Jets having to worry about facing them if they come out of the Pacific the way things are going there right now you know, Vegas seems to have woken up from that lull that oh, gave them problems uh, and it sounds as though they may be active uh, Kevin Weeks was saying that to add them to the list of the teams that may be in pursuit of Timo Meyer. Uh, probably an indication that they don't expect Mark Stone back and that may Maybe that would create the space for them to get that player in there. Um, But, I mean, the the Kings, too, are another team that look like they're trying to be active. And I've said this before. The Kings, we saw them last year. Jets played them a couple times. They looked like they were kind of a tough team to grind against. And then all of a sudden they went to the playoffs against Edmonton and were a real tough grind. I think that one of those two teams is going to end up down in the wild card spot. So, I mean, don't be surprised if the Seattle Kraken are a team that the Jets play in the first round, if the Jets are able to surpass the Dallas Stars and end up in first place. I mean, don't be surprised if this Seattle team ends up being the eighth seed. And don't be surprised if the Seattle team ends up making it out of the Pacific. And if the Jets make it to the conference final, they run into them there. This is the really interesting part, Ken, that I find about this is, you know, I said it off the top. Uh, I don't think you were there for it. But the, the the West is wide open, and while sure that is. makes it sound like it's like boy oh boy, go out and make something happen because no one's a definitive uh, you know team to go through here. At the same time, it's it's going to be tough. Like there's there's no free spaces on the bingo card here. Like if you drew the L.A. Kings, that's a team that could grind you. And, and I was saying this the other day. I think I said this to someone. I'd almost rather the Jets end up in second and play a team like the Avalanche in the first round, than finish first. Roll of the dice. Just just listen. Just listen. There's a theory behind it, and I'll explain the theory. I'd I'd almost rather do that than finish first and end up playing a team like the Kings in the first round, because this is what's going to happen if you play the Kings in the first round. They're going to grind you. They are going to grind you like crazy. So if you play the Kings and you win that and then you move on to the next round and then you play the Colorado Avalanche, now you've got the Colorado Avalanche coming at you with speed. What I'm suggesting is I'd rather take on the Colorado Avalanche before I got into a grind against a team like the LA Kings who can grind you and have the players to do that. And I'd rather go speed for speed with the Avs right out of the gate and go up against a team that grinds you down and then have to match that speed afterwards. That's all I'm saying about that. I, I like, listen, you know, t- to me at this stage, especially with this team, whether the Jets go to the first round or the second round, I know it makes a difference to the Winnipeg Jets themselves and Mark Chipman because they want to make some money. And, you know, probably for the fans, you'd rather see two series than one. But my idea is like if you're planning out the path to a Stanley Cup, for me that path to the stanley cup if you're probably going to end up playing the colorado avalanche along the way i think i'd rather see them early than late even if it means there's more likely a chance you're going to go out in one round because if you can get that speed behind you while you are still fresh and try and match them speed for speed before you got to start getting into the grind type teams i think i'd rather handle it like that uh ken time for us to handle the lamplighter uh take it away
0: yeah, I, I think it's,
1: you know, I'm te- I was
0: tempted to go with Dubois, but I'm actually going to go with the Wheeler goal here, and, and for two reasons. Uh, I think that on the play, I think someone mentioned it in the chat room already here, I think Ehlers makes a really heads-up play. Super uh, heads-up. Because Jamie, Ale- I, I honestly think that the, the reverse was not a terrible idea on that play by Jamie Alexiak. Will Borgen was there except Nikolai Ehlers had a great burst of speed to get in between Jamie Alexiak and Will Borgen on the reverse and stole the puck essentially and got it quickly out to Blake Wheeler, who showed just remarkable hands uh, to get Grubauer going side to side and scoring his 15th goal uh, of the season. So for me, uh, although I think the Dubois goal is important because of the response to the penalty he took that the Kraken scored on, I do think that the Wheeler goal, because of the heads up play by Nikolai Ehlers to steal the reverse, that's my lamp later today.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think just because of what uh, Pierre Luc Dubois said to you, Ken, in that uh, (laughs) there was no conspiracy theory. He was trying to pass the puck to someone who wasn't there, and he's been trying that too much lately,
0: Sean. I mean, this is something that uh, I I think that Dubois needs to get a little bit greedier. Uh, A couple of those plays when he's walking out in front, he can either, even if he doesn't score, if he goes to the stuff play. He will draw that defender to him to open up the backdoor tap that he's been looking for on four or five different occasions in the last two games here.
1: Um, yeah. Uh, I, so I, I think you're right, bang on with it, uh, that whole goal. A, because what I, what I love about Blake Wheeler uh, and what he still has at an elite level is when he's in tight, he's got that insane patience and he's just got that reach. That's like go, go gadget arms, right? He could take it from, you got to defend the far post and yeah. then he can bring it right back around the other side. And that's what he did in that situation there. I was almost surprised not to see him in the shootout uh, because of that, because we've seen him have success in the shootout in the past. Uh, but I mean, um we we heard about it from out of the horse's mouth with Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's he's the guy on this team that's actually had a shootout this year because he had a penalty shot in that yes. game against Vancouver. Uh, and he scored on it, so he's two for two so far this year. So how do you not go with a guy who's batting a 1,000 you had to go with him? But Wheeler in tight, uh, boy, oh boy, that's a great play. But to the point that was made in the chat room, and I do think uh, – someone was saying they heard it on the broadcast that Nick Ehlers actually makes the call for the puck, right? Calls for the reverse and fools the defenseman into giving the puck away and then throws it out in front. That's, hey, you know I love cerebral hockey. To me, that's cerebral hockey, a great play by Nick Ehlers, who we're going to have to tie into uh, a little bit from now because of, you know, the I mean, we, well, we'll get into that. We'll talk about Nick Ehlers a little bit later. Uh, let's just give a shout-out to our friends from TransCanada Brewing Company. That was Ken's lamplighter of the game. If you are interested in giving us your lamplighter, and you should be, why? Well, because if you do it, you're automatically entered to win a frosty, delicious 8-pack of lamplighter amber ale from our friends at Transcanter Brewing Company. If you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie to give you your 8-pack, head on down to the Transcanter Brewing Company's tap room at one twelve ninety Keniston. They got the Lamplighters, They got more than that. They got tons of different beers down there. They've got great pizza, great food, great appies, and it is just a great space altogether. You should go check it out, even if you don't win the Lamplighter today. And here, I hate to break it to you, not all of you are. Only one of you are, and I'm going <laughs> to tell you who that person is right now. It is Gilles or Jill Beauchemin is the winner of Let's the Lamplighter. Jill. Let's go with Let's go with Jill. Gilles, oh, no. yeah. I think so. Uh, I just know... I like to. I come from Lac uh Bonnet, where we love to. You most eyes. certainly do. You most We're, certainly
0: do. I'll we help you with this
1: French names. Uh, <laughs> so, so Gil Orsino you are the winner of the lamp lighter. Let's give it. One of those. Get the, the gong. Night. Good job. Yeah, we missed the gong on Saturday. I haven't been doing the gong for a while now. I realize. I just yeah, you so got to wake up, Reynolds. You got to wake up. Pack. You've well, been on I vacation. A, oh, so. Let's See, go. I got it. I got it. I got involved with the gong, and now I almost <laughs> forgot to tell Jill what he needs to do. Because there's a next step, Jill. You may have won, but you don't get your hands on that Frosty Delicious 8-pack until you message me at SN Sean Reynolds. I need your full name, Jill Boschman. I think I need it spelled out phonetically. No, I don't. I'm just kidding. Uh, I need your full name, and I need an email <laughs> where I can send you the voucher for your Frosty Delicious 8-pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale. Uh, absolutely great stuff, the nectar of the gods. You want in on that, Jill? So make sure you get a hold of me. Uh, let's move on. To Hang on. The, oh, okay. While That's we're in Trans
0: Canada, we should read. You know, two things. I have good news and bad news. Our next Kenny and Rennie live show is on March 18th at TCB. We just showed the address on Keniston, 11290 Keniston. Uh, but the bad news is, I will not actually be. We've been promoting the March 25th, uh, Kenny, actual birthday. Uh, I will be away on assignment in Los Angeles for the game at the Kings. I will be on the show, but I will not be celebrating in the building with our good, uh, good, good folks, our good listeners, our good people and supporters. But I still want you to join my good buddy Sean Reynolds there. Uh, it'll be still a fantastic day, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're fired up for those last uh, two regular season shows. They're going to be uh, fantastic, and
1: let's uh, let's make that happen. Um, people, you see what I have to put up with. Kenny calls a party, and then he takes off and goes to Hollywood. I'm going oh, to yeah. Hollywood for my birthday, but the party's still on. Everybody leaves his good buddy Sean Reynolds behind. That's Ken right. Leaves his good buddy Rennie there to t- to mind the house while he has a party. I will tell you this, Ken. This isn't the first time that I've <laughs> called a party at someone else's house when they weren't there. So I'm practiced at this. A teenage Sean Reynolds did exactly that. Uh, I won't get into the story. You're a good um, host, but, Sean. The, but the I, good news
0: is, you're a good host, a very good host. I would say I a great can. host.
1: I will pull it off. I will. We may. I may even get the crowd to sing you happy birthday. I have faith in, in you. We'll I, have faith in I may you. even bake a cake. <laughs> I may even bake a cake and decorate it. And if anyone's gone to my Instagram and seen, I, I'm pretty good at. Decorated I won't even be cake. home until the thirtieth, and
0: you're gonna. Have, the cake will still be delicious, I'm sure. No.
1: Oh, the, oh, you're the gonna eat is, it at TCB. Never case case mind. Never. Will, mind. We will eat it and enjoy it, and we will shove it in your face, Ken. <laughs> We're taking off on your own birthday party, Ken. We have procrastinated for too long. It is time for me to get uh, to ask you to give us your Johnson Group got you covered play of the game. This one could be a little obvious.
0: This one is very obvious. Uh, Adam Lowry, we know uh, he's going through a a bit of a goal-scoring slump, but when you're not contributing offensively as much as you would like, you have to find ways to contribute. Uh, What Adam Lowry did today earned a standing, or not a standing ovation, but a pretty loud roar. Uh, What he was able to do was twofold. After Brendan Dillon snapped his stick on a clearing attempt that was kept in, Adam Lowry first handed off his left-handed stick to Brendan Dillon, one of the only guys who can probably play with Adam Lowry's stick because he's similar in size, and handedness. Uh, After handing off his stick, he was able to block two shots, including one from Justin Schultz that went into the seats. The crowd went wild, and after the game, we heard first from Pierre-Luc Dubois and then Adam Lowry that there were once dreams of... Donning the pads in the National Hockey League, but Adam Lowry joking that he was too normal to play goal, so he decided to play forward, uh, and he made the right choice, as he said, uh, with tongue firmly planted in cheek. Uh, But those two blocks... And to me, also the, you know, the ability to re- recognize that he needs to hand off his stick to the defender who needs to clear the front of the net, and then to get into the lane twice and come up with two blocks and get the stoppage in play that they needed during that double minor to Morgan Barron. Uh, that was an easy call for our We've Got You Covered play of the game sponsored by the OGs
1: from the Johnston Group the OGs. Uh, hey, I'm going to tell you something, and people are going to think I'm crazy, and especially uh, we're going to get, uh, I'm a totally crazy here from Eric Horlison who during the game said that, and I loved it, right? I loved it in that moment that happened, and I tweeted about it, and Eric responded and said, he's going to get the gotcha covered play of the game. Same with Merle and
0: Peters, also had that as an early candidate
1: there in you my go. my feed, not sure. in yours, but okay. we love okay. that.
0: People are getting into it already during
1: the game. That's awesome. We love it. Absolutely love it. But I will say this, upon further reflection, I think that I have to give consideration and in my mind anyways, may have to kind of create a tie between that and what we saw from David Riddick down the stretch here. I mean, take a look at this. Grubauer played great tonight, right? Grubauer, Mm -hmm. I think, was the first star of the game. And I saw Philip Gubauer heading to the net at the start of the uh, of the shootout. And I was thinking to myself, uh-oh, the Jets may be in a little bit of trouble here right now. Because he looked so calm and he looked so confident. And I was wondering what the heck is going on here. This guy looks like he's going to walk out here and he's going to steal this game. Well, it never happened. And who's the one who looked absolutely calm on the second shot? uh where jordan eberly went down I, i was looking at it and i was thinking to myself there is nowhere for this guy to go there's nowhere he is not giving any kind of opening for them to try and score on him here it's just i don't know i i i just think that if we take a look at this situation uh and what we've seen from david riddick who we should get into and have a conversation about here today ken um He did not look like a guy who got a surprise assignment here tonight. (laughs) He looked like a guy who is entirely ready to go. And there you go. Tico Napoli says it. It's Riddick. You were talking about how loose he was. At the beginning of the morning skate, one of the camera guys put a tripod down off to the side. And David Riddick, you know, on days where, you know, most goalies, it's a game day. They are so zeroed in. Don't look at them. Don't talk to them. David Riddick went and and said, you know, jokingly, hey, what's this doing? This isn't supposed to be here. And went and picked up the monopod, a piece of equipment that uh, camera guys use to sit their camera on so that they don't have to rest it on their shoulder, and picked it up and moved it and hid it away in one of the Jets lockers so that the camera guy couldn't find his stuff afterwards and left the room with, you know, snickering and with a smile on his face, right? This is a guy who's entirely engaged, Uh, doesn't need you to leave him alone, doesn't get, he was as loose as you could possibly be heading into that game. And he was as loose as you could possibly be heading into that overtime. The one goal that was scored on him today was a perfect grade, a redirection that was hard for him to get to. The second one was, you know, an act of the hockey gods that gets by him in that situation, something that you could never do again. If you tried to replicate the play a hundred thousand times, uh, He came out here tonight, and as good as Philip Grubauer was, the Winnipeg Jets win this game with a huge helping huge serving of great goaltending from David Riddick. And because of that, I have him in a tie with Adam Lowry for the Johnson Group. Got you covered play of the game. Brought to you, of course, by the Kenny and Rennie OGs, the Johnson Group. And you won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our great friends at Johnson Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses, and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues, and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. you got something to say, Ken.
0: I do, sorry. Uh, I'll do the Lou Ferlin read, but your headphones are cracking slightly,
1: My I believe. My headphones are cracking? Headphones yeah. or oh. microphone?
0: Well, the mic shouldn't be cracking, but we've had this thing happen before with the headphones, maybe. All right. Well, here. you. That uh, sounds you better. Be- okay, it's closer let's leave to mouth, it at that. Maybe it's better. Anyways. Let's leave it at that. For the okay. good folks uh, who need realty needs helped uh, with buying selling curiosity about the house down the street maybe you're looking to move to another neighborhood uh, spy on in, your neighbors Well Is that I what wouldn't you're say suggesting? that no I Is am not saying that at <laughs> <laughs> all no just trying to see what how they've got the house decorated that's all my man I get it I get my uh, wife can, loves doing that stuff <laughs> Yes you can contact our main man Lou Ferland of Royal LePage Dynamic Realty you can reach him at 204-791-9971 or at the office two hundred four nine eight nine five thousand. His email is Lou at Louferlin.ca. That's L O U at L O U F U R L A N dot C A. And the website is ca. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, and we thank him for his support.
1: See, now that you've let it slip that sweet Lou does that. He's going to be getting phone calls from my wife all the time because she loves the idea of going in and just looking at houses, right? She's one of those people that, you know, she's not going to buy. We haven't been in the housing market since we bought our place here back in 2014. But she always wants to know what's going on, what changes have been made, especially on those houses that, you know, go up for sale. You know, a couple times that same house keeps going up for sale. You want to see the changes. I mean, I lived in one of those houses. Our first house, it apparently changed hands like 17 times. And I moved in there. I didn't think we'd ever leave and then we moved within four years and it was nothing to do with the house. It just it was one of these houses that just is constantly churning over on the market. And, and I'll tell you this, Ken, I drive by it. I had that place perfect. I re-roofed it. The old Reynolds Roofing Company went to work, came out of retirement for that one, did a whole bunch of work to the exterior, painted it, it looked perfect. And then I went driving by about a year later and they took, you know, this nice cedar brown roof and I had like a nice kind of cream colored trim all over the place and it just it was looking just perfect and they painted it like slate gray which just clashes with the cedar uh cedar colored shingles that i have and it drives me nuts every time i go by there i want i want to knock on the door and say what did you just do like that was in perfect shape and you spent money to make it look like this, what happened? Who hurt you? What's wrong with you, people? Anyways, I've got issues. I freely admit it. Um, we need to move on. I'm going to say I-, I want to launch. <laughs> I want to launch the um, the conversation about David Riddick by saying this: another win for him. Adam Lowry talked about it and said it on the nights where he goes in. He's quite often getting the second of a back to back where he gets a tired team in front of him. Uh, Every excuse to suggest that never mind that he's the backup goaltender, but the team is usually not giving their best in front of him. And yet he's doing what he's doing right now. Again, higher winning percentage than the starting goaltender out there. I'm going to say this, Ken, with the play that we saw from Josh Morrissey in that St. Louis game where he picked the Jets up by their bootstraps and what that turning point has been over these last three straight wins from what we're seeing here i think it's just more and more evidence that i'm right that josh morrissey is the mvp of this team and it's not Connor hellebuck because the backup goaltender is getting it done at a greater frequency on average than he is uh and this is another night where josh morrissey played a role in the comeback goal that ends up helping this team get over the hump and does so in uh on a night where he becomes the franchise's new leader in single season assists by a defenseman uh this started out of being a david riddick thing it's kind of turning into a josh morrissey thing take it in whatever direction you want just admit that you're wrong and that josh morrissey is the mvp of this jets team again
0: <laughs> we'll see what game 82 brings another excellent <laughs> performance by josh and uh i've been praising him all season and Uh, was happy to report and also wanted to thank all the folks in the chat room those of you who took the time to read my column on Josh Morrissey going into the all-star game it was uh, very well read and well received and got some great feedback and uh, had a good chance to talk with Josh briefly about his experience at the all-star game he absolutely loved the time he got to spend there with his family and uh, getting to you know rub shoulders and have conversations with the all-stars and you know just sitting around the room you know picking the brain of guys and getting to catch up with uh, some guys he played with both in junior with like Leon Dreisaitl and guys he played on the world junior team. And um, man, Sean, we talk about looking sharp. I mean, how about that pink suit that he was rocking there on the, on the red carpet? It was pretty, it was pretty impressive. Um, Anyways, the, the MVP debate will continue as long as the season goes on. And I mean, we'll see how it goes. I mean, they're both very capable candidates, but uh, I mean, I think there's still some time to determine where things are at. And, uh, right now, you know Adam Lowry. Just for the record, Adam Lowry also said he believes that Connor Hellbuck is the best goalie in the NHL. So, I mean, I would say his vote is, even though he's appreciated what Josh has done, his vote probably was said right there as we're well. Not talking, we're not talking. to Vesna
1: right now. We're not talking to Vesna Trophy. We're talking the internal team MVP. <laughs> don't, don't they've got two great MVPs say, so don't far? I, I don't. It.
0: Yeah. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> David Riddick. Uh, we can get going on this a little bit more here um i mean we've been honest from the very beginning um i i don't think david reddick was the first choice of the winnipeg jets uh you know the first choice was eric Comrie to bring him back uh, but not at the money he signed for uh, after that i'm not 100 percent sure i believe the you know the Jets had interest in, in several uh, several other goalies, including Charlie Lindgren, I think, would have been a guy that they would have had some interest in as well, who signed with Washington. Uh, but, man, uh, David Riddick has ended up being an absolute dynamite pickup. Uh, I love the way that he, like I said, conducts himself on a daily basis. Uh, I'm a big fan of joy level, Sean, as you know, and I, I, you know, Nate Schmidt has more fun probably than anyone in the world, but David Riddick is in the conversation uh, when it comes to bringing the joy level to the arena on a daily basis, and that's a hard job. I mean, all all we hear from every single player that talks about David Riddick, they love his personality, uh, they love the work that he puts in. Uh, this is a guy who got healthy in the offseason. He had a great interview with Paul Edmonds on the pregame show of CJOB a couple months back. Uh, talked about getting himself healthy and getting himself back in a great headspace. And his motivation was high. I mean, he needed to have a good year to stay in the league, and that is exactly what he's been doing. Um, he's been exactly what the Jets needed. He's going to be in that 20-22 to 22 start range. He's been dynamite. Uh, he has actually provided, you know, some stability at a position that hasn't, you know, the Jets have had a good run now, backups, right? Between Lauren Brassois, Eric Comrie, and now David Riddick. Uh, those guys have all done a fantastic job. And it's been important. It's an important job because the Jets aren't going to a one a job share situation. They're not going to 1A, 1B. So when you only have the opportunity to play once a week or once every 10 days, you need to be find a way to keep yourself sharp. And that's not easy. Uh, so to me... Uh, it's been impressive to watch, and Riddick has been dynamite. And you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think Wade Flaherty's just done a dynamite job uh, with the net binding situation, and and you can tell that David Riddick appreciates the efforts that Wade Flaherty has put in with him as well, and it's led to an an excellent relationship. And Sean, I don't, I know, I don't know about you, but I, I can easily see a scenario. Where David Riddick is back with the Jets next year on another one-year deal. I mean, I, I don't know yeah. why. I don't know why. What would the what the impediment would be? Uh, we know the Jets aren't going to have a ton of extra money. I mean, I don't think you could see Riddick go from uh, his current contract to like making three mil or anything like that. But I would definitely think they would like to have him back. And you know, going into the year, I would have thought it was a one-year stopgap. But uh, you know, with Mikhail Burden going back to the KHL, I mean. I think the Jets have, you know, a great tandem with Arvid Holm and Oskari uh, Salmonen. But I don't think either one of those guys are ready to become an NHL backup. So I think keeping Riddick in the fold will be, uh, you know, something that would make a whole lot of sense for the Winnipeg Jets as long as the two sides can agree on, you know, term and money. But, uh, you know, man, he's been excellent. And like I said, that's a testament to him. And like we've said before, David Riddick didn't need to be all-star David Riddick like he was with the Calgary Flames, but he needed to be a consistent presence. And that is exactly what he has provided for the Winnipeg Jets. And he deserves a ton of credit for doing so. And like I said, Wade Flaherty is an excellent goalie coach. He has been since he arrived in this town. And he continues to be the goalie whisperer, as someone mentioned. I think it was T. Kona right? So, I mean, that's just yeah. an absolutely fantastic comment. And it's 100% accurate.
1: Um, sorry, I've unplugged the earphones. I'm hoping that gets rid of the crackling. Uh, it has, uh, let yes. Let if it doesn't. Uh, okay. Um, hey, I, I fully expect him to be back. And here's the situation. Uh, we all know, uh, like, throughout his time in the NHL, we know that things uh, went sour for David Riddick. Um, We know that he came here trying to prove that he was still an NHL player. We know that there was a feeling around the league that he wasn't still an NHL player. And I think if most of you listening to us right now are being honest with yourselves, you were the ones saying that when he got picked up. I don't remember very many people rejoicing about the Jets picking him up in the offseason and him coming here. Uh, We know he had a real tough time last year in play when he was uh, with the Nashville Predators. Um, I think this is a scenario by which... David Riddick is really enjoying himself. And you are right, Ken. He's he's that kind of guy. He he is an add to the Jets dressing room in that he makes it a more fun place. And let's be honest, one of the ch- issues we know the Jets have had over the years is even at times when they were succeeding, they made hockey look like it was a job, not like it was fun. Yep. It's hard to do that with guys like nate schmidt in the dressing room but even last year you could see at points that nate schmidt the the, you know the the sunshine that he brought into the room was getting covered up by the clouds and even he seemed to be kind of falling underneath that weight david riddick has come in and makes the jets room a really fun place he is constantly bugging guys in the room joshing back and forth with everybody and you see the Jets laughing at it he's not just doing it with them he's doing it with the training staff he's doing it with the media he's doing it with the PR folks he he brings everybody in and makes everybody feel involved I think the Jets are more of a team because of him that's something you know we should be talking about Ken because we see it behind the scenes I don't think the fans get to see that and we've got to be able to share our access and that's one of the things I do truly think that David Riddick hey he's a team guy that's what Rick Bonus said about him here tonight. Rick Bonus sees the value of David Riddick, not just in what he does on the ice, but what he's doing in that dressing room. And we can't discount how good he's been. I think he's been good for Connor Hellebuck. Sometimes when you've got a goaltender tandem, that tandem helps elevate a guy. So we were talking already about a guy like Dylan DeMello and what he's done to elevate Josh Morrissey's game this year. By the same token, you have to talk about Connor Hellebuck once again, probably being in the conversation for the Vesna Trophy, and you have to talk about that goaltending partnership between the two of them, and how that Connor Hellebuck has probably benefited from David Riddick being there. Never mind the results you're getting from David Riddick. Never mind him being able to do what he did on a night like tonight, where he shows up in the morning not expecting to start and ends the day the way that he did in a way like that he has been everything you could hope for from but he's been to a degree and i don't want to over you know i don't want to overstate this and i am but to in the sense of a career He's kind of been to hell and back. Like, I think Mm -hmm. he didn't think there's a big part of him that didn't think he'd be in the league this year. And I think he'd be pretty upset and bitter if his career had ended like that. And let's let's be absolutely clear here, Ken. If he would have not made it back in the league this year, it's not like he was coming back in two or three years. That would have been his last chance. So. I think David Riddick knows that. I think he knows a good situation when he gets in one. I think he likes this room. I think he likes the idea that he's playing for a contender. So people saying that they could get him locked up for $1.25, $1.5 million a year, I could see that absolutely happening, and I could see him not taking too big of a contract to stay in the league but stay in the league with the Winnipeg Jets because he doesn't look like a player to me that has designs on trying to steal a crease and become a starter anymore. I think he knows his role. I think he loves his role here. And because of that, I think you're bang on. I would fully expect to see him back with the Winnipeg Jets this year. And it's nice to see them solve a problem that at the beginning of this year, I mean, this is one last thing I'll say on this again, at the beginning of the year in our chat room, people, constantly talked about the idea that he was going to come back to bite the Jets at some point in this season now there's still time but all you who thought that was going to happen your, your take is aging atrociously it's, it's aging horribly it is ice cold it is such cold ice that you could drop it from the top of a building and it wouldn't even shatter it, it is that frozen so uh, good on David Riddick for doing what he's done um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Pierre-Luc Dubois. We uh, saw his goal there tonight. He comes out and, you know, absolutely buries it to win the game. Um, we talked about that penalty that he took. People are weighing in on it. A uh, couple things that I wanted to talk about. There was a play earlier in the game. I turned to Christian O'Malley. I was surprised by it. He was breaking the puck out of the zone. Put himself in a really, really... Uh, a dangerous position put it this way if it was 2000 nhl hockey he would have been caught a guy would have drove his shoulder into his chin and he probably would have been out with a concussion or i guess if it's 2000 hockey he would have had a concussion and he just would have ended up playing through it and ended up you know having lifelong consequences from it um but the player didn't even drop the shoulder on the chest the player just kind of rubbed him but let him go by the thing that i thought that was hilarious about that ken was like Pierre-Luc Dubois had his life in the opponent's hand and the opponent spared him. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois just turned around and took that penalty with malice right right shortly afterwards. And I just love the idea of a guy who's like, oh, you showed me mercy? Yeah, well, don't expect any from me. I just love that idea of Pierre-Luc Dubois where he is just there's something in him that he's like, if I need to be a jerk to you to win this game, I'm going to be a jerk. And you could have come to me before the game and you could have baked me a cake. You could have, you know, offered me, you know, lent me 100 bucks. You could have done all these things, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to punch you in the mouth the first opportunity that I get. That is Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I absolutely love that. I love the idea, even though it's, you know, it's a hockey God's giving the Jets a bounce back kind of goal. You know, I don't want to go too far because he said it himself. He was trying to pass to someone who wasn't there, and that ended up going in. I do think it's kind of strange that the defender – defended that the way he did, like the defender defended that play as though Pierre-Luc Dubois was passing it to someone, right? But there was no one there, there was no one at all there, so I guess may, maybe maybe that's where Pierre-Luc Dubois deserves credit for this goal is that he so, he so believed that someone was there that he sold a pass to someone who wasn't there, and the defender bit on trying to break up a pass to someone to break up an empty net goal, thinking that someone was there because Pierre-Luc Dubois was so convincing that there was someone there and he redirects it. And there was really no need for the, uh, the defender to slide back into the play like that and redirect the puck towards the net. So maybe there's something cerebral in there. Maybe it's instinct, but it sure worked out for Pierre-Luc Dubois and the Winnipeg Jets in that situation.
0: Great movement too, right? I mean, Connor to, Connor to Morrissey and then down low. I mean, that was a a well-executed puck movement from the Jets there. Uh, Just a quick one. Somebody had asked, I think it was Roy Mack about Hellbuck. I mean, Hellbuck will be on the plane tomorrow. So, I mean, sick enough to not play. I don't think it's an an issue whatsoever. I'd expect him to start against the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, unless something strange happens and, yeah i mean i think he's fine and the next time we're going to see david riddick is probably monday against the new york rangers after hellebuck plays thursday and and, uh, sunday i guess it would be against the devils so uh fun stretch coming up i mean we know we've documented sean i mean the jets have struggled against the east at times Mm -hmm. and i think this is an important trip for them on a lot of levels uh i know that uh one quick one. I love the way the third line played, and Mason Appleton has done a, dynam- a dynamite job since coming back into the lineup. Uh, don't you agree? I mean, I think he's been very involved. Obviously, he got the breakaway today off the post. I think he's been very effective and uh, really kind of given that line a little bit more of a boost. Obviously, the Jets need more offense from the third and fourth lines. There's no doubt about that. But I think that Appleton can help get them that uh, as the weeks move along here.
1: He doesn't look um, like a guy who's out for 38 and is back for two is what I'm saying. Right. Okay, Ken, we're uh, still going to have to hand out the the home field dig deeper award. We got only six minutes left uh, before we hit the hour mark. Um, do you want to talk more about Josh Morrissey or do you want to give uh, a voice to the latest kind of conversations that we could have about the trade deadline? I know that uh, our chat room will always. Be- yeah, I think deadline. I mean, we talk about Josh almost every ga- single game,
0: so uh, we can we can give him a break with We've already talked about him and it well deserved uh, on a lot of fronts, uh, you know, passing Toby Enstrom and his uh, 44 assists that he put together in 20, 2009, 2010. Uh, he's going to pass Dustin Bufflin and you know as pierre Dubois said they have you know 28 games to go and he is going to set a very high bar by the time this uh, season comes to an end when oh, it comes yeah. to both assists and points
1: it's really um, crazy if you think about it like Dustin Bufflin was a phenomenal defenseman at putting up points and mm-hmm. and for Josh Morrissey to be surpassing that at this stage of the game season game 54 i mean it's astounding like, it's, it is like, and this uh, is the other thing about this. I, I, I sorry, I'm just to, to, not to hijack this, but, but I, I saw someone put a list together of like a Canada's best uh, kind of roster, um, and Josh Morrissey wasn't on the defense on that team, and I was thinking to myself like. Josh Morrissey is the highest scoring Canadian defenseman in the league right now. Like, what more would you want from this He's guy? On the team. <laughs> and, and and like the, the argument right now at this stage that you are all making, I know you're making it about Josh Morrissey winning the Norris Trophy, despite what we're seeing from Eric Carlson, which is special. Is that Josh Morrissey is going to do like going to do more? Defensively than Eric Carlson is. You know that that's going to happen. And here, here's something I thought was interesting, especially because the Oilers are a team that intrigues me. I know Elliot Friedman has them winning the Cup this year. He had that at the beginning of the year, and I do think that there's a lot more depth there than there's been in the past. Um, The idea that we keep hearing of them potentially picking up Eric Carlson, and I was kind of thinking, wow, that's pretty. That makes them pretty dangerous. But I also thought at the same time. If you take a look at situations, what would you rather have? Eric Carlson at $11.5 million, or Josh Morrissey at what he makes with the Winnipeg Jets going forward in the Western Conference? Like, Josh Morrissey is the better defensive player. He's a way better value. Uh, Captain-type material, what we're looking at here. Josh Morrissey just, like, seems to tick every single box, and the idea – uh, that that is going to get him into the Norris conversation is the fact that he gets the offense, he gets not quite to the degree that we're seeing from Eric Carlson, a little, you know, quite a bit below that degree, but you know, he does it while not giving an inch defensively, and it's just, it's crazy to think that people wouldn't have him as one of Canada's defensemen right now, it, it's it's insane to think that, but uh, yeah,
0: We should just quickly say it too, I mean, a lot, even when it was before the, you know World Cup or Olympics were canceled I mean Craig Button our our pal Craig Button add Josh Morrissey on a lot of his lists and people were like oh what are they what is he talking about I mean he was ahead of the curve on Morrissey and uh, I just thought it was showed it was uh, was welcome uh, on that front for him Um, and a quick one too just one quick thing folks when it comes to trades um, rumors get tossed around I mean this is happening This is happening to me also. Uh, I I once clicked on one of those sites that runs hockey rumors on Facebook and I can't get rid of it now. And (laughs) just because something ends up in your Facebook feed that says the Jets are looking at Kevin Hayes, I I would say pump the brakes on that one. Um, I think Kevin is a good person. And yes, we know that it hasn't always gone well. He's been healthy scratch this year and a year he went to the all-star game. Kevin Hayes I don't think he was a humongous fan of being here. Uh, I, I think he enjoyed the organization and whatever else, but I don't see a scenario where He's Kevin Hayes coming. is coming back. He's on He's a $7 million multi-year deal. He's not um, coming Exactly. So don't believe every single rumor that you hear. Uh, we know that the insiders are plugged in. I have not seen Kevin Hayes linked to the uh, Jets by any reputable source uh, I know Elliot and Jeff Merrick, our colleagues at Sportsnet and 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada, have mentioned James Van Riemsdyk. You know, Personally, I don't see a humongous fit there either. I know he Neither. does get to the net on the power play, but I don't think they're looking at JVR as a second power play guy. So I, I think the Jets, I mean, if the Jets are going to get someone from Philly, go get Travis Konechny. I get it. They don't want to trade him, but if you want to get a forward from Philly, make it him uh, is what I would say on that front. Uh, Luke Shen is a guy who I've been talking about for I think at least a month now. I think he makes a lot of sense for the Jets on the back end, bringing some stiffness, some size. He's a Stanley Cup champion. Uh, But to me, I'm still on the same page here, Sean. Ivan Barbashev, I was just on St. Louis Radio today with their, um, you know, with ESPN there. I think Barbashev makes a ton of sense for the jets. Um, I still think, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly would be a great fit here as well. He'd be a great fit anywhere. And for those who missed it, our pal Frank Saravalli over at daily Faceoff in his Valentine's targets had Barbashev to the jets. He also had Ryan O'Reilly to the Dallas stars. And I know you would love that move, Sean. And so would I, if I'm Jim Nill and I can make that move, uh, you know, there's going to have to be a little bit of wiggling in terms of the salary but, man, if you're the Dallas Stars and you want to try to separate yourself in this division, I think Ryan O'Reilly would be a fantastic fit uh, yeah. for the Dallas Stars. But, you know, in terms of pe- you know, for the Jets, you know, I think Timu Meyer, there's tons of interest around Meyer, so somebody's going to have to win a bidding war. Um, is it going to be the Jets? I don't know. I don't know what Kevin Sheveldayoff is willing to uh, you know pitch in that deal. And I don't know if Timu Meyer is willing to commit. And if Timu Meyer is not ready to commit – longer term then it's not going to work considering the price tag so what we've learned from Kevin Cheveldayoff is that he often tries to go and find somebody who you don't know is available I look at Paul Stastny as the best example of that nobody in the league knew he was available he was on no trade boards and that's who the Jets got uh, so we're always wondering and speculating and trying to figure out who they're looking for uh, but that would be something that we still need to look at Uh, Look at someone who hasn't been talked about. Uh, I think Meyer would be a great fit and would be worth whatever the high price tag would be, provided he's willing to stay here. To me, Barbashev is one of those guys, we've seen it with the Jets, Sean. He would not necessarily just be a rental. He's a rental right now, but if you're the Jets, you bring Barbashev in. You're going to try to sign Barbashev, right? I mean, that's, that's how I view this situation. Uh, and I still think he's a great, great fit for the Jets. And um, you know, we've seen some of the price tags. Maybe it's a second and a prospect, or maybe it's a first if they can get it. But I think Barbashev is still a perfect fit for this team. Uh, he would bring all of the elements that they would be looking at. Uh, I just don't see Bill Guerin moving Jordan Greenway no. to the Jets. Uh, no. I think when Greenway is healthy this year, he hasn't been healthy. Um, when he is engaged physically, he's an absolute beast and a force. And yeah. that line with Joel Erickson Eck and Marcus Foligno was the kind of line that gave teams like the Jets absolute nightmares. Um, but I just don't see that happening uh, right now. Uh, but anyways, we're going to see. That's going to be fun. The next while we're going to see who else is out there, what's happening. I mean, what else, what else do you see Sean? I mean, I think it's uh, it's a fun time of year, but it's also silly season. So, you know, everything you got to listen to is with a grain of salt.
1: Well, I I've, I've just I've had this thought. Like it, I I still think the Jets are going to swing and I think they're going to swing big. And yeah. the reason I say that is cuz I, you know, the, I I talked about this on with Remo on Winnipeg Sports Talk, mm-hmm. but it kind of hit me a little while ago. I mean, like Remember Nathan Smith? Everyone was so excited about him. And yes, I know he was never going to stay with the Winnipeg Jets, and he was going to go, so they had to move him. But he's the price tag of what they did to move uh, the contract of Brian Little to the uh, Arizona Coyotes, which now, if you if if you take a look at – if you are a GM right now around the league and you wish that you could do something, you wish you'd put yourself in the situation that the Winnipeg Jets – have that Kevin Scheveldayev has put the Winnipeg Jets and they've got all kinds of money to spend. Money will not be a limiting factor for them going forward here. They can do what they want financially. And so my whole take on this is if 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 not to use that money, what they do it for? Like, what did they move that contract for? What did they move Nathan Smith for? What did they position themselves like this to open up this ungodly amount of cap space to only turn around and not do anything with it, right? Like, the Jets are going to do something, and I think that they're going to swing big. The tricky part to your like, – and, and this is what I think the holdup is. Like, you know, you were talking about this before, and I think if we – like, A, if we go back to the original argument that we had way back and you know – late November and early December about the injuries and everyone wanted them to make a move. Well, Kevin Shoveldale didn't want to make a move because he wanted to accumulate cap space, right? Like if you're looking for the answer, why he didn't go out and get help when the jets were so vulnerable to injury that time, this is why is he was trying to open up this cap space. So everything that he's done up to this point suggests he's building up a war chest to spend it. And the thing is with this war chest, it's not real money. The Jets are still paying everybody up to the cap, but the cap space they have is because of the injuries and everything that they've accumulated. You don't get to take that with you people. If they don't spend it this year, it's not waiting around for next year. So this is the only window in the next three weeks that Kevin Chevel Dayoff has to capitalize on some brilliant cap management that the Jets have pulled off this year. And it's, it's the biggest advantage that they have, right? Because getting players to come to Winnipeg, it's not easy, right? But being able to open up money like this has put him in a better situation than any other team in the NHL heading into the trade deadline right now. So it's the biggest advantage the Jets have. If I'll tell you this. If, if he doesn't use it, if Kevin Sheveldeoff doesn't use the giant cap space Allotment that he has for this team, I don't know what any of these moves were for. I don't know why they didn't go get someone back in December. I don't know why they moved Nathan Smith. I don't know why they didn't just keep uh Brian little here so that they could you know he could play out, not play out, but like watch his contract tick away with the team that had meant so much with him and he'd spent his entire time with. Like the Jets have made every single move, and it looks like they've done it so that they could swing big. If they don't swing big, it's what it basically means they tried and no one would come here or no one would deal with them. Or at the last minute, he wasn't willing to pay the prices that were out there. And you know my thoughts on this. The prices are the prices. If you want to compete this year, you pay whatever the market is. Hey, you want to go, if you need to buy a house, sorry, but you're gonna to have to. Jump into the same market everybody else is in. The prices are the prices. So whatever the prices are this year, if you're Kevin Dayoff, you're either paying them or you're not. And if you're not, he's stuck in this in-between land that he has been stuck in in the past of we want to hold on to our future, but we want to address our present. And that just... It's it hasn't worked in the past and it really hasn't worked since 2018. If the jets want a different outcome, they're going to have to push for a different outcome. They're going to have to do that by swinging a And once again, I'll say this, I, I truly think that they're going to, I agree
0: totally. And I mean, it's, you know, we know the jets made a strong push to try to get Mark stone, uh, you know, Vegas made a bigger offer and they were also able to get the extension done quickly uh, with Mark stone. Also, this is a chance for the jets i'm not saying to right or wrong because that's not the way that it works but it's a big opportunity for them to take a big swing and try to make a run because of what we talked about right out of the gate the west is more wide open than it has ever been and i think the jets will make a big move and i think they also make another you know i, I think a secondary move uh, i you know, can they get all three pieces done i mean can you get a middle six forward, a fourth line forward, and a defenseman? I mean, I think that's what the Jets are trying to get accomplished. Uh, what level of player they are able to bring in, that I'm not sure uh, about. But again, I, I don't see any scenario where the Jets are going to stand pat. I don't see it. Uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned, the Jets have you know, openly discussed the importance of accumulating cap space. Uh, I know some folks in the chat room have been asking about Patrick Kane Um We just saw him on Saturday. I think Patrick Kane would be rejuvenated by going to a contender. Uh, But to me, I know Patrick Kane spoke out about it and he was upset about all the talk that's been about his hip. Uh, But he just does not have the same explosiveness that he used to. He's still an incredibly skilled player and can help some teams. Um, But he's mostly an an all-offense player, and the Jets have a lot of offense on their team. Uh, already we know they need to add some offense but i don't see that as a as a as a perfect fit either so i think it'll be elsewhere
1: yeah um hey i just wanted to say something here quick uh, comet uh, says i predicted 6 weeks ago that Chevy <laughs> would pull the trigger today february 14th i was wrong again I, I maybe i'm reading this wrong it feels like comet's really down by some of uh their comments uh today uh and if they are just i want to send out some positive vibes to a comment and anyone out there if you're listening if anyone's having a hard time or anything like that you see it right here just to reach out uh sn sean reynolds if you need to chat or something like that uh people are there to chat to and uh and uh, consider that uh for us as well um okay time for us to get out of here kenner do you have anything to say before i announce our winner's our no, home field. Home field. Yeah, right on, man. Good. Okay. Uh, so I am going to hand this out uh, to, uh, I, don't know, I, I thought this was kind of funny. I'm just going to go with Oh, quick anyway. one.
0: Central, uh, uh, central division hockey, the podcast, uh, you need to uh, send me a note or Sean, a note to claim your shovel for winning the dig yes. deeper home field, dig deeper award on Saturday.
1: Yeah. So it is time to throw a spotlight on the comments. Uh, that that we think stand out for the Home Field Dig Deeper Award. And that comment is coming from Rob Mahoney, who says, Sean, it's today Valentine's Day, a reminder for us single people to try harder and be better, so next year we're not dealing with this misery, loneliness, and despair in one year's time. I just wanted to bring this up because I know that Valentine's Day could be a hard day, uh for people and um i think comet had made a similar uh comment earlier on we saw a couple of those i know it can be a tough one um rob i'd say this uh the, the the credo of hockey players and professional athletes is one day at a time doing the best thing you can do to put yourself in a better situation tomorrow so you know what this i think is a good idea exactly what you're saying this is a reminder to just try harder to stay in the fight to use a Paul Maurice-ism. stay in the fight, Rob Mahoney and Comet and everybody out there. You are doing fine. You're doing better than you think you are. And it'll be great to be chatting with you right here on February 14th next year when you tell us about your blossoming love life and everything that's going so great and so uh, good in your life. So good job, uh, Rob Mahoney. Uh, thanks, Rob, for your winning comment. And just like Rob Mahoney, Homefield is always going to dig deeper to find the best marketing solution for your company. Find out how at myhomefield.ca. Uh, thank you so much. Now what you got to do, Rob Mahoney, you just got to direct message me at Reynolds. Send me your full name. And also, if you can, send me your uh, uh, email so that I can send you your Homefield Dig Deeper shovel. If you pop that down... One of these bad boys. We love them. The trunk shovel. Looked like we were really going to need it at some point today. All those things seem to have blown out a little bit. But uh, it's a lovely trunk shovel. You want it, Rob. So make sure you get a hold of me. Uh, Thank you so much for your comments. Thank all of you for all your comments. Another great show. Uh, I got to tell you, I was missing this a lot, Ken. It is good to be back. It's good to be back chatting hockey with you. It is good to be back chatting hockey with our chat room. They're the best you're the best. Thank you so much for that. And speaking of the best, we got to talk about the best sponsors that we could have ever hoped for in Vittorio Rossi, uh, TransCanada Brewing, Johnson Group, Lou Furlan, and Homefield. If I've said this once, I've said it a thousand times. If you appreciate the conversations that are happening in these spaces, please, please appreciate uh the our sponsors who are fighting to keep these conversations happening in these spaces thank you so much for that thank you so much to all of you we will be chatting with you again on thursday when ken will be in columbus along with the jets and i will be in new york city in anticipation of two sportsnet games next monday and next wednesday uh as for monday night hockey against the rangers wednesday night hockey against the islanders big set coming up for the Jets here. They play the second worst team in the league, or the worst team in the league? Yeah, the worst team in the league right now. And then they go into a bit of a murderer's row in a a tough Devils team, really tough Rangers team that looks like they've woken up, and I don't know, maybe the Islanders will wake up. I don't know what's going on with them, but we'll see what happens. Either way, we'll talk about it right here with all you. Can't wait to talk to you then. Have a great one, everybody.